Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take a ride on the Steelers afternoon drive with our co-hosts, Alan Saunders and Zachary Smith. And welcome into another episode of the Steelers Afternoon Drive. I'm Zachary Smith. Alan Saunders back with me today. That renegade music that we got there, helping easing them back in, getting rid of that migraine. Right, Alan? That's how it's working? It's doing good. 9.89 thousand subscribers on the YouTube channel. So close to that 10K mark. Like and subscribe to the channel here at Steelers Now. If you like our stuff, and if you don't like our stuff, what are you doing here? Get <laughs> uh end of the week uh friday practice ends early so i'm back at home uh steelers mm-hmm. with some news today gunner olszewski will not be playing in this week's game with that concussion that he suffered on the hit that he took from was it denzel ward i think it was denzel ward it was denzel ward um yeah. and uh he's the only one so uh make fitzpatrick Demonte casey darnell washington larry ogunjobi who by the way I think we all just need yeah, to we just, we just need to salute Larry Ogunjobi as like the life work balance king, right? I mean, like he just he gets it done on Sunday and says, All right, I'll see you next week. Um <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't practice he was a full participant in practice. He needs today. to get like LP just tattooed on him somewhere. <laughs> Limit limited Larry, uh yeah. as as we may start going. Look, I mean, if he can keep playing at a high level. Mm-hmm. whatever i think it'd be good for him to be healthy i'm sure he'd rather be healthy than this but you have to credit the guy for doing what it takes to get on the field and and make plays even though he's not 100 um so a healthy steelers team i mean relatively obviously missing those three guys that are on injured reserve as well uh gunner well wasn't good against the cleveland browns and so it will not be as much uh, of a conversation as it was when we were talking about, oh my gosh, who's going to replace Cam Hayward and Deontay Johnson, but they will have to fill that role. And I think it'll be a new guy doing that. Godwin Igwebuke, uh, I believe, is going to return kicks. He's the running back they signed from the Falcons practice squad this week. Uh, obviously, Calvin Austin can do that job too. Uh, and I would expect Desmond Patrick to be active for the first time in his Steelers career as the fifth wide receiver. Thought he was great in training camp kind of didn't carry that into the preseason we'll see uh how much yeah. he's used probably expect a much bigger role for miles boykin than we've seen so far uh will be a big test for him as he'll go into this game as the number four receiver and i would expect should be used a good bit yeah that's what patrick had as many tackles on special teams as he had targets in the preseason so um Not yeah a little bit limited there yeah um but what what other trickle down effect could we see here? That I mean, we've talked about the you know Braden Fahoko coming up to the fifty three. Could we expect to see him get a helmet? I think the one that everybody's kind of just like waiting for, and we don't know when it's going to happen, is Desmond King getting a helmet. Like, could it really be all the way up until after the bye week that we see that happen? Yeah, I don't really see Desmond King getting a helmet right now. Um, 
you know, I don't think he's like so much of an upgrade over the players they have that have so much more experience in the defense that it just makes sense to have somebody out there that might not know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. You know, practice reps, it's one thing when somebody gets hurt, right? Like if somebody gets mm-hmm. hurt, then there's like, oh my God, well, we just have to fill the spot with whoever. Practice reps for guys who are not starters or backups are basically non-existent this time of year. And so it is really hard for someone to come into the team and be on the scout team and and learn the defense. Like it's it's very difficult. Um I, I'm I'm not sure we're gonna see him unless there's an injury, honestly. Uh, but it certainly doesn't seem like it's gonna be soon. Um, and I think that's like look, I think there's been lots of problems with the Steelers defense. I'm not sure that I would put like Chandon Sullivan's play as a slot corner high on that list. I think he's been fine like not great but fine what, what i can't say i've noticed him too much so it's I, I would say that's a good thing that i haven't yeah, noticed him a right? whole lot. i mean like it's just been he's just yeah. been there it's okay um he's no, he would not be the top of my list as far as like changes i would make to the secondary i think one of those changes that we are going to see is we're going to see more of joey porter jr i expect that this will be the week that we see him take some non-dime snaps um for a couple of reasons. One is that the Raiders are much more of a kind of line them up team. They're not like doing a thousand different things, trying to fool you. And so it's a little easier to really dial your scheme into what, what does well. So I think this might be a game where we do see some of Patrick Peterson playing in the slot and Joey Porter playing outside of him in a nickel. Um, and then, you know, I, I think maybe we'll see him take some reps from Levi Wallace. I don't know that it will be a lot, but it might be a couple. Uh, it's a tough task here with Devontae Adams. The Steelers shut him down last year. I talked to Levi about that this week, and he was like, yeah, well, it was two degrees. So, <laughs> like, you know, we're not we're not hanging our hats on that win, like, that that we held him to two catches last year. That's a guy that uh, can, can beat you at any moment for a big play. And anytime I think you have to have that level of, like, urgency on every snap, I think a little bit of rotation – helps keeps guys fresh. So I think we will see more. Patrick Peterson talked today about how he thinks Mike Tomlin does a really good job of just kind of spoon feeding these young guys exactly what they need, you know, a little bit more every week, a little bit more every week until you see where they start to fail, right? It's like stress testing a piece of metal. You don't want to just snap it, right? You want to keep pushing it to that limit and see what it can do every time. And I think so far, Joey's uh, been up to the challenge every time he has been challenged. And I think um, Alex Kazora on Twitter made a very good point that playing in the dime means that every one of his reps has been important, right? There's no, like, gimme dime snaps. You know, you don't get, like, up-the-middle handoffs on first and ten like you do on first and ten. And so I think it's been um, it's been a challenge for him, and I think he's shown that he's good enough to play. And I think we're going to continue to see more of him. I think we'll continue to see more of Keanu Benton. I could see on the defensive line a little bit of change here. I think we will see Braden Fahoko active and more of Montrevious Adams playing the three tech as opposed to the nose. I think that gives you you Benton and Fahoko at the nose and then Adams, Watts, Larry, Leal. I think maybe you Isaiah Loudermilk would be the odd man out in that situation. But I think specifically for this week, uh, Vegas is more of a man run team, more fullback. Uh, I think the extra big body at nose tackle. And I think Adams 
has played well, but I think it's probably better suited to three tech than the nose. And so that kind of puts everybody to me in the place where they can succeed the best. Yeah, we, we talked about, you know, potentially Fahoku getting a helmet last week, but this really is a week where it definitely makes more sense when you talk about going from, like, a zone blocking scheme to, like you said, Raiders putting helmet on helmet, man blocking scheme. Um, yeah, yeah, as far as, like, the Desmond King thing goes, too, the one thing I wanted to point out is very complimentary was the coaching staff of Elijah Riley's play, and you would think that would be potentially a guy that would be giving up a helmet for Desmond King. And if, if Roger Riley's going to be making plays like he did in that fourth quarter, you know, the big sack on Deshaun Watson, he's really not going to be giving up that spot. So, yeah, I don't it know that Desmond be King's be Riley because he's the backup safety, safety. and they're playing yeah. three safeties. You know, like he's technically the fourth safety, right? You have Fitzpatrick, KZ, Neil Riley, but their dime package has three safeties in it. One of their three nickel packages has three safeties in it. And last week they unveiled a three safety version of their base defense. So they want to play three safeties a lot, which makes Riley yeah. the first backup safety in all of those packages. So he can't be the guy that loses a helmet to King. It would have to be like Sullivan or Pierre. Like that, that would really have mm -hmm. to be yeah. who it would be because he can do those jobs, right? Sullivan for King is a one-to-one -one replacement. Pierre for King is a one-to-one -one replacement. He King can't go play safety like Riley can if there's an injury somewhere else, and so he can't replace him. He's also not as dynamic of a special teams player in terms of punt protect and things like that. And so I think you will not see King take Riley's helmet. If they make a change to get King in the lineup, it will be Sullivan or it will be Pierre. Yeah, I'm curious to see if they do him a, a little favor and if he gets a helmet in Houston, obviously, for a little bit of a revenge game. I think that's the earliest that we would see. That would be, I don't uh, Sunday night. That would be interesting. And look, you know, the whole lineup changes based on one injury, so anything yeah. can happen. But that wouldn't totally surprise me. Also, we'll see how Iguibuke and Austin handle the kick return jobs because that is something that Desmond King can do and has yeah. done. And if maybe it doesn't go so well or they just feel like it's too much on Calvin Austin's plate right now for him to be a starting wide receiver and the punt returner and the kick returner, then maybe King could get that helmet and be the kick returner. Uh, I think that's certainly an option for him to get on the field as well. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, the Devontae Adams thing, too. Another wide receiver coming into the fold this year for Vegas and Jacoby Myers, who I feel like was a little underappreciated as part of that new, very reliable, but obviously not you know a, a high-volume passing attack for New England that he was playing and coming over here. They obviously still have Hunter Renfro there, spent a relatively high pick on Michael Mayer, Austin Hooper's in the fold. But it, I'm interested to see, you know, to your point about Joey Porter Jr., if he is going to play more snaps, who we see him mainly of. We're not going to see the Steelers, I don't think, do like trying to shadow Devontae Adams or stuff. So there could be times where Joey Porter Jr. sees Devontae Adams across from him. I would think in the dime that he will, probably. Um, yeah. That's that's how I would line him up. Um, but, I mean, Myers is actually like a bigger guy. So, I don't know. You could do it either way. Um, I do expect the Steelers to, you know, like last week we talked about how Minka Fitzpatrick was, you know, out in space. He was used as a boundary corner because of how much the Browns play two tight end. And while the Raiders will play two tight end, the difference is, is that the Raiders have two wide receivers that can make you pay for doing things like having your free safety playing boundary corner. Uh, I don't think the Steelers were afraid of Donovan Peoples-Jones taking over that game, right? And so I, I just think there was um, – 
a freeness to do that that maybe I'm not sure you're going to see this week. I think you'll probably see much more of Minka Fitzpatrick back in that center field position or in a too high safety look sort of traditional role this week. So that's why I think there will be more opportunities for Porter because you'll see Peterson in the slot. More of that traditional nickel look, I think, is in store this week. And again, the Raiders, um, you know, not this kind of position dynamic offense where you literally have two outside receivers, you have a slot, and you have two tight ends. And you know exactly where if those guys are in the game, they're going to play. Those are really their only weapons. Um, you know, it's it's much more basic offense. And they executed pretty well. You know, I think this is a scheme that doesn't get a lot of credit for being like mind blowing. And I know Josh McDaniels is a guy that um, has some detractors and and probably has earned those detractors. But I think when you really look at the tape, uh, I, I give them a lot of credit for it. it. Just feels like they're kind of maximizing the talent they have in this passing scheme. No one is mistaking Jimmy G for a great quarterback. And while Devontae Adams is a great receiver. You know, I'm not sure that the package of eligibles is really special in, in any way, mm-hmm. but, you know, they don't turn the ball over. They may, they find easy uh, completions to those check down guys. Jacobs is better than I think people give him credit for out of the backfield. I think the addition of Mayer really gives them two kind of tight end guys that are sure hands in, in that short area. And they're just going to frustrate you as a defense. They're not going to let you get home in the pass rush. They have not a lot of sack this season. They don't turn the ball over. Uh, the Steelers defense uh, through two games has been very good at getting explosive plays. They have gotten turnovers. They have gotten to the quarterback. They have drawn holding penalties. They have drawn personal fouls. They have they've had tackles for loss to get teams behind the sticks. Those are probably not going to be there at the same level against this Raiders offense. They're going to need to be more down in and down out sound than they have been and rely less on those splash plays because this is just not a team that's going to give them to you. Well, that's an interesting point because on paper, it looks like this is going to be a get right spot at some, for one of the two teams in a lot of different areas. So let's talk about the Steelers running game. Um, just as a whole with the Vegas defense, though, 355 yards allowed per game, 216 and a half through the air, 138.5 yards per game on the ground they are giving up so on the surface this looks like it could be a get right spot going against the team giving up the 27th uh or this 27th against the run but you looked at the Steelers run game and they have their own issues now let's let's talk about that a little bit Najee Harris Jalen Warren really haven't been able to find a ton of success on the ground I think that it goes a lot deeper than just those two players though right Alan yeah I mean I really went back and again and looked at the tape and really focused on the offensive line uh, from that Cleveland game, and they're just really – I mean, look, Cleveland has a very good defensive line. I don't want to take anything away from those guys. Miles Garrett is one of the best in the world. I think the interior guys, Shelby Harris, Dalvin Tomlinson, are really, uh, really underrated. They were very good in that game. But the Steelers aren't making holes, and they're, you know, they're making plays where things just fall apart because of one guy. James Daniels said that today, where it's like one thing is happening – and then everything else falls apart. And that is true when you're running the football. You can't run the football with 10 guys. You can throw the football with 10 guys. You cannot run the football with 10 guys. So if you have one player that is missing an assignment or missing a block or falling down or getting beat badly, that's really all it takes sometimes to just totally wreck a run play. Um, th- there was There's this play the Steelers like to run called Crunch where it's like a left handoff and you have you know a tight end and a receiver stacked tight to the formation on the left side. 
tight end does like with the crunch block or like a wham block you would call where he cuts back across the formation and the receiver stalks the safety leaving theoretically the uh the you know the the running back one-on-one on the outside with the corner and the Steelers ran it twice against the Browns you'll remember one of those two because it's a play where Najee Harris runs like 20 yards up the left sideline stiff arming might have also been Traverse Ward, uh, or Denzel Ward, uh, stiff arming the cornerback all the way down the field, right? You, you remember that play. Um, mm-hmm. the other one is a no game, um, because, uh, you know, Dan Moore gets blown up and, and, and Miles Garrett pushes him back. And then, uh, you know, at, the, at that William block, Washington has to come behind Moore. And so he kind of trips over Moore as he's getting driven back. And then Harris is slow to the hole, which means Allen Robinson gets too far upfield. And you can just little, you can actually watch every piece of this fall apart like dominoes. Like, oh, that did this. And then this did that. So, you know, Moore getting blown back causes Washington to be late coming over, which causes Harris to be late to the hole, which means that Robinson is too far upfield. And it's zero, it's a zero yard game. And then when they block it right, it's 20, you know? And so like, again, these are things that we cannot blame Matt Canada for. We cannot blame even Kenny Pickett because like as bad as Kenny Pickett has played, Kenny Pickett is a, is a second year quarterback that does not have a depth of quality experience that we should be like, Oh, Kenny Pickett should be so much better. The offensive line in the running game should be so much better than they are right now. They went out and paid a lot of money for Isaac Samalu, who was a great lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm not seeing it with the Steelers right now. Guys like Mason Cole and James Daniels do not appear to be playing as well as they played last year, certainly not in the second half of last year for the Steelers. Uh, Dan Morris and and Chooks, you know, I can kind of give them um, a pass because of the guys they've been facing, right? Because it's been Bosa and Garrett. And, and so you don't expect big wins against guys like that. But in general, this is a team that should be running the ball so much better than it is right now. And I think a lot of the debate about Najee Harris and Jalen Warren falls apart if they're just blocking it better. Yeah, and how does that happen, though, you know, across the board? Is it just like – because there's only one new piece this year in Isaac Samala. You know, last year that was a lot of the talk is like they just don't have the reps together. So – is it just cohesion or what is it? Is this something that you, when you watch, you feel like, oh, okay, like this is fixable as we go through the season here. This should get better. Or are you not there with it? I'm not sure. I, again, I, you know, I kind of say the same thing I'll say about the picket stuff. Is like when I'm not, there are things in this game that are hard to explain. And when they're hard to explain, I think that makes them hard to predict what's going to happen. I don't really understand why the Steelers offensive line has been as bad as it's been. Maybe part of it is that predictability of this offense that we talked about before, where if teams are keying in on the run versus the pass, but like the Steelers had a lot of success with play action against Cleveland. So clearly they're not like, you know, the big George Pickens touchdown as a play action pass. It's clear that the teams are not just figuring it out. I do think that teams are kind of daring Kenny Pickett to beat them and he's not, and that they are flooding the box with, with extra defenders. And that especially hurts a guy like Najee Harris, who is not going to be the bounce it outside type where like, Oh, there's just too many guys in here. I'm just going to go take it this way. He actually did that for, for a wrong, long run with Kenny Pickett and Calvin Austin as lead blockers. I didn't have that one on the bingo card, um, but he kind of reversed field and came back. And But that's not his game. You know, that's not what he's going to do. 
I think, you know, you can say, oh, that's why you don't draft a guy like Najee Harris in the first round. And I would agree with that. But I don't think it's some kind of indictment of Najee Harris as a player that if they don't block it, he is not going to be able to just go find room somewhere. Like he needs a hole. Uh, and I want to ask you too, and this could be something, this could be another Matt Canada thing where it's not necessarily the play calling, but uh, Alex Kazora put this out as well. This is, I guess, the Alex Kazora podcast now, but, you know, they spent good money on Isaac Samalo and James Daniels over the last couple of off seasons. They're paying two guards who they feel like, you know, those should be kind of the staple of this offensive line. Pretty good athletes. They haven't pulled them on any single run play through two weeks. Why do you think that is? Um... It's just not what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I think when you're not blocking well, slow developing plays are not generally the answer. Um, you know, I really think the solution to a lot of the Steelers run problems are they've they've got to get three yards. Like that's the, really everything that they need here is just that there's nothing wrong with Najee Harris. What's, what was Najee's uh, yards per carry? I can look it up here. Uh, it, there's nothing wrong with it, right? Um, 4.6. So that's way above where he was last year, right? There's nothing wrong with that average. But they've got to get rid of the zeros and the negative ones. They've got mm-hmm. to find a way to not lose yardage or to have these zero-yard gains, stuff that gets this offense behind the chains. And I think pooling is, an, is not that. That's an invitation for a negative, right? You're literally opening a hole in your offensive line to try to make one over here and to create a big play. I don't think they need that. That doesn't need to be the focus. I think they just need to focus on blocking their assignments better as a unit and simplifying what they're trying to do. Um, I do think uh, we could see a little bit of fullback help that, whether that's Connor Hayward or whether that's uh, Darnell Washington. Is that like they call it a sniffer where he's just kind of hanging out behind the line of scrimmage there. Um, That might help some. Uh, But there's got to be a way that they can run inside zone. Like all of Matt Canada's offense is based on doing stuff to run inside zone. And we just haven't seen it. In fact, we've really seen a lot of the things that were characteristics of this offense when it was a college offense go away. We've not seen the trade, um, you know, pre-snap shifts. We've not seen too much unbalanced. We haven't seen too much three tight end. We haven't seen too much jet motion. Um, those things that felt like they were staples of this offense that made it an effective running offense at the college level. And that's what it is. It's a running offense. Um, it really, to me, like everybody harps on the simplicity of Matt Canada's passing concepts because that's what football nerds like. And so like when, well, who was it that, that was like, oh, his offense is a crime against humanity or something like that. Like this is like two online football people who love to watch tape and want to see exotic passing concepts. That's not what this offense was supposed to be. That, that's all he was hired to do. The Steelers didn't get Matt Canada because they wanted exotic passing concepts. They wanted to be able to run the football. And I think the fact that they're not running the football is a far greater indictment of him and where this offense is than anything they're doing in the passing game. And where this is a guy that I gave a lot of credit to for the way that he brought the group along last year. But where does Pat Meyer fall into all of this for you? 
you know, I didn't think Pat Meyer was some sort of savant. Like he was a sort of a typical veteran coach, um, mm-hmm. run of the mill kind of hire. I think he's done some things well. I think he's done some things not well. I think if you're talking about where a team is two weeks in and you're blaming any of the coaches, you're probably wrong. Like, that's not how this works. Um, You know, coaching is the thing that is played out over the course of a season. Um, But players have to play. And I just think the Steelers' offensive linemen have not played up to their capability. Like, Pat Meyer is not responsible for James Daniels. James Daniels is responsible for James Daniels. He's a, yeah. uh, to quote the pit quarterback, a grown uh, man, and he's been in the league for five, six years. Like, there's no, he doesn't, he shouldn't need coached. Coaching is for guys like Broderick Jones. Coaching is for, oh, look, we think we have something in Dylan Cook. Coaching is for, like, how did Dan Moore get better over the offseason, or didn't he? You know, Coaching is not, we didn't block crunch, which we run all the time against the Browns, right? We had four mistakes on one play. Like, there's no coaching in that. That's that's the responsibility of the players. Uh, I think it's very easy for fans to blame coaches because the players are their favorites and nobody cares about the coaches. So to them, the coaches are disposable. Nobody has a Pat Meyer jersey in their closet. That you know, the, I'm Pat Meyer, number one fan Twitter account. Like, it doesn't exist. It's always easier to say, oh, this is the coach's fault. No, the Steelers' offensive linemen collectively, compared to their own capabilities, have stunk, and it is their fault no one else is for that. Uh, you might have just given a burner a new name, Pat Meyer, number one fan. I'm I hope you have someone followed. create a YouTube account as Pat Meyer, number one <laughs> fan, and then comment on yeah. in, in our channel. It's like, it's not Pat Meyer's fault. Like, Pat Meyer's been an NFL coach for I don't know, 13 seasons, something like that. Like, he's not great. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a great coach, but he's fine. It's not his fault that these things are happening. Just like it's not anybody, you know, like, is there responsibility on coaches to develop players? Yes. Like I said last time, the biggest thing that Matt Canada should be judged on this season is whether or not Kenny Pickett gets better. But on a game-in, game-out basis – like players got to own their their responsibility, and they do. You know, I don't see players blaming coaches for things. Uh, Mason Cole said this week, "There's plays out there to be made, and we're not making them." Uh, and and how you, if you watch the tape, you can see what he's talking about. Yeah, and that's uh, let's go into the YouTube comments here. You just mentioned uh, Matt Canada. This person, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about Matt Canada. I feel like we've just kind of beaten a dead horse here. But Nathan Tukasberry says, "I have screamed for over two years about the pre-snap movements." Like like we said on yesterday's show, Nick and I, Canada was kind of the king of motion shifts. McVeigh and Shanahan have even referenced him as the guy they both learned some pre-snap movement from. Where has it gone? Yeah, I think the pre-snap movement has dropped NFL-wide. I don't think it is as trendy as it was. Um, I'm not really sure what the reason for that is. But I don't see it as much from other teams as I used to either. I really would like to know, and I'm sure Matt would not answer this question, and I was not there yesterday to ask it to him anyway, um, but I would really like to know the reasons that he has dropped some of those things from this scheme, the the at-snap motion, which they are still doing. You know, like we're still seeing motions. They're just different kinds of motions. Like it's a lot less of the jet, right? We're seeing that, uh, you know, where the, the they start empty and then the, 
uh, you'll see Jalen yeah. Warren motioning mm-hmm. into the backfield. We saw another one where you start with Jalen Warren beside the quarterback and he just kind of motions laterally out into space to get him started on his release. We've seen another one with Calvin Austin, same thing where he's just motioning away from the formation to uh, get his release started off the line. And I think we're seeing more of that stuff and less of the, the like the jet motion. I really don't know why that has fallen out of favor, not just with this offense, but sort of league wide and the, the trades and the, and the overshifts and the out unbalanced lines. I would like to see more of that. I think it would help what the Steelers are failing at on offense. We would give those offensive linemen a bit of an advantage in their blocks when they're struggling. I think that's a good way to get them going. You know, Matt Canada talked about, Hey, we have these plays that we call when we want to get Kenny Pickett going. And that's why we're calling the same stuff over again, because that's what he's most comfortable with. Find what are the plays that are getting your offensive linemen going. And I would like to see a couple of those this week. It would not surprise me if some, you know, tackle over or tackle eligible or three tight end or fullback or something like that is part of the plan. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's true. I think uh, that's a good point about lead wide though. You know, if you take a look around the lead, you'll probably see that it's, it's dropping everywhere, but especially for like a young quarterback, like Kenny Pickett, I think, you know, the easiest way to, to help him out is using pre-snap motion and give him some answers on the defense before the play even starts finding out if they're in zone or man. So I would like to see them use it a little bit more. And I think play action is pre- like you can run good play action without being able to run the football, but it really helps if you're running the football yeah. well and play action and play action is the easiest way to get a quarterback going. And just like I'm talking about on those individual run plays, how you have these cascading failures. I think it is the same thing with this offense systematically. This offense will not ever work if they can't run the football period. Mm-hmm. It will not work if they can't run the football. And because of that, I think there's been some hesitancy to go to play action. Things like the read option with Pickett doesn't work if you're not getting people flowing to that running back because they're scared of what he's going to do to you. You know, it, it all comes back to running the football with this offense and with this team, and they have to find a way to establish the run. It would not surprise me if we see something like that Pitt West Virginia script. Uh, where the Steelers come out and run the ball like eight straight times. Like, I think yeah. that's the kind of thing they need this week to establish the run. This is a very weak Vegas defense. It's missing one of its best defensive linemen. Max Crosby is one of these guys that is a star edge rusher, but is way, way, way easier to run against than, say, Miles Garrett. Um, I really think that is the recipe for Steelers success in this game. And that gets Kenny Pickett comfortable in a flow, finding guys like Fryermuth, finding guys like Pickens a lot more easily than he has the first two weeks. Well, there we go. So let's get into some predictions for this game on Sunday night then, Alan. Hmm. Little Wayne is playing at halftime. That's a fact, not a prediction. Okay. Yes. But um, my prediction is that he will have to uh, get the crowd back into it because I think the Steelers are going to come out hot on both sides of the ball. I expect to see the Steelers shut down Jacobs like they did again last year. They do not have the excuse of it being four degrees for that game for the Vegas running game, right? They, they yeah. You run the ball when it's cold. They couldn't. Uh, I think the Steelers can stop Jacobs. I think they will get going on the run game, and I think it will be a – a classic suck the air out of the building road game game plan for the Steelers. And I expect it to work. I think they will be able to execute that game plan. And then maybe 
if they can get Vegas behind, they can finally get someone to get through against Jimmy G, cause some splash, and maybe, maybe make it an easy win. I I think I see that possible here for the Steelers. I'm going to say Steelers win 24-10. I got 26-17 Steelers. I think the offense gets going a little bit. I don't think they're going to need defensive touchdowns in this one, uh, to your point. I'm not saying that I'm all of a sudden expecting, you know, overnight this is going to be a fantastic offense, but I do think that the Vegas defense is a little bit vulnerable right now, and I think that the Steelers can take advantage of that. So I got 26-17. All right. Two Steelers victories. People like to hear that. And as people know, I hey, I, I'm two for two with predictions here. I picked at San Fran in week one, and I picked Steelers week two. So let's keep it rolling week three. All right. All right. Let's do it. Uh, keep the All cars right. coming. Um, yes. I'll see you. Listen, I don't know what the – I got to see what the tailgate situation is like in Vegas. I'm very <sighs> interested to see what's – like how this works. So You I'm haven't been to that stadium yet, have you? No, I've not been to the stadium yet. Okay. Uh, and so I'm getting there early – like I land at like 9 a.m. local time. It's like an 8 p.m. game. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have lots of time on my hands. So I'm probably going to try to go there early and just take it all in. Although, And it's not supposed to be that hot either, like 80 degrees. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully I can find uh, – I don't know if there's going to be any Steelers vehicles in Vegas, but we'll see. We'll see what I can find. And um, we'll uh, – I'm, I'm excited about this one. Should be a good game. Should be uh, a lot of Steelers fans there also. I've gotten reports already from Yinzers on the Vegas Strip that it is just packed with guys talking back, going down Permanis later, <laughs> sporting mullets and terrible towels tied to the belt loop on their blue jeans. I think you're going to see some vehicles. I think they're going to be like more flashy, though, than they are like outrageous. Oh, so you're you're thinking like like a Steelers Bentley this week, you know? Yeah, like, as opposed mm-hmm. to like like a Rolls Royce, yeah, something like something along like, those lines, like Wiz Khalifa's black and gold uh, Hellcat. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, something um, along those lines. I wonder what, Wait, what, is what, uh, is Nick going to be there too? Yes, Nick will be there too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So all the coverage. Little, wonder what little Wayne drives. It's interesting. Well, he's a Packers fan, so I'm not even sure why he's at a Steelers-Raiders game. Well, well established from New Orleans is a Packers fan and is doing halftime at a Raiders game in Vegas. It's Vegas. I don't know. I, I don't think you need an excuse to be there. Jordan, Jordan Sparks will Jordan Sparks there as well. That's the big one for the, for for the national anthem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. I have seen now some. So we had uh, Flow Rider was uh, was the halftime act at uh, Steelers Vikings a couple of years ago up in Minnesota. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, you know, it's great. I get, these are the perks of, of being me. I'm gonna have to skip the <laughs> halftime hot dog though. I don't know if I'm just going to be time to go yeah. get a halftime hot. It's just going to be halftime little Wayne thoughts this week. So you have to, you have to find those on my Twitter account. I Whatever. At A Saunders underscore PGH at PGH Steelers now, SteelersNow.com. Read the words there. Sign up for SN Plus. Use the promo code Allen10. Get 10% off. That's how you get all the best stuff from me, Nick Farabaugh, Derek Bell, and the whole team at Steelers Now. We really appreciate all of you all going over there and checking that stuff out. And we love uh the people to comment on our YouTube videos as well. Absolutely. And also while you comment, like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave us a five-star review. If you are listening somewhere that is not YouTube, do all that good stuff for you. We appreciate you. You can find me at Zachary Smith PGH. So for I and Alan Saunders, we will see you after this one. 
and we'll talk about whatever happened on Sunday Night Football between the Pittsburgh Steelers and Las Vegas Raiders. Till then, thanks for jumping in and taking another ride on the Steelers Afternoon Drive. <laughs> 